gave a thousand ducats Or to make a hundred more Sail upon the merchant ship My cost of wine from port to port this interview with Christian Seeley, Managing Director of the esteemed Quinta de Naval Estate and owner of Quinta de Romanera, close by in the Douro Valley, was not originally intended for podcast use. However, in listening back after the call, it felt a shame not to use it. Anyone who has visited the Douro Valley and is stained by the sheer intoxicating beauty of the place, probably, like me, seeks it out in every sniff and taste of wine from the region. Naval is certainly one of the Quintas in the Douro that conjures it very well in the glass. Christian in this interview also offers some great insights into the national plot of ungrafted vines, comparing with those grafted onto American rootstocks post-Veloxera. He also delves into the eccentricity of Novell's policy for declaring vintages and sheds light on the rise of popularity and production of dry wines in the region. It was a telephone call, so the audio is akin to a radio call-in, but I do consider it worth a listen, so here it is. Our ship was docked at Porto. A recent article published online about ungrafted vines, it quotes from people talking almost religiously about ungrafted wine as the true wine. And there were sort of reasoned counterpoints, but I wanted to ask you what you think of some of the defining characteristics of Naval's Nacional Vintage Report, given that it's made from ungrafted vines. Well, having lived with grafted vines and ungrafted vines at Quinton Naval for the last 27 years, obviously there is an observable difference. Yeah. There's an observable difference in, in many ways. First of all, from the point of view of viticulture, the, uh, the national parcel, which is ungrafted vines, is substantially less vigorous than the vines are individually less vigorous than the vines in all the grafted passes. If you, in the middle of summer, if you walk up to the top of the Quinta and you look down on the parcel where the national is, uh, and you, you, could, you can actually see where the ungrafted vines are compared to the grafted vines because the, uh, the leaves are they're a different color green. They're, they're less it's a less vibrant green, and the vines look, looking down from above, they look thinner. Yeah. Uh, but that, that, that just means that they are less vigorous in terms of plant growth and, and uh, all that kind of thing. They're also less productive in terms of yields per vine. Okay. Yields are low anyway in, in Victoria and at Quinton Naval. We average at Quinton Naval slightly more than 30 hectolitres a hectare. Uh, we average in the national parcel around 15 hectolitres a hectare. So you, you, you get um, fewer bunches per vine and quite small bunches. And, and, the, and there's a good mix of great varietals in the national parcel, but that's true across all the varietals. You, you see uh, lower yield per vine um, acro- across the, the great varieties. So uh, in, in terms of viticulture, you could say, uh, Less vigorous growth, lower yield. In terms of the wine that's produced as a result, uh, it's always different. Uh, it is not always uh, better, I don't think. There, there are, um, we, I, I've had experience of years where I've had uh, outstanding vintage port years for Quintin Naval that were not 
outstanding vintage port years for the National Party, in which I have declared Kinton Novell vintage port, and I have not declared the National. That happens. And, and, and the other way around as well. I've had years where we've had absolutely outstanding nationals, uh, where, when the rest of the vineyard was uh, made some very nice ones, but they were LBV quality. And I can confidently say that the, the wines we get from the national parcel are always different. Mm-hmm. They probably march to a different drum, if you like, to the, to the, uh, to the, the, uh, the vines of the rest of the vineyard. Uh, so some years you have a great Naval vintage, not national. Some years you have a great national vintage, not Naval. And then when you have a great vintage uh, year for both, uh, you have the Quinta Naval and the, and the national, they're always different. So what would be the difference? If the, the Quinta Naval and the national were both performing extremely well in a great vintage year, like as happened, for example, in 2011, that happened, for example, in 2017. Some of the greatest vintage port from Quinton Naval we've ever made, but also some of the two of the greatest nationals that I think the Quinton's ever made. They, they are uh, different. Um, in, in terms of personality, I, I think that you always have another dimension in the national. In a year when they're both firing on all cylinders, you have probably a bigger structure in the national. You, you, you have more complexity, more profundity, and something sort of endless in, in the wine when you're, when you're tasting it and trying to analyze what's there. That's when it's young. And as they get older, uh, I, I, the national as it gets older retains an almost eternal youth. And, and vintage port always stays young, obviously. But uh, national seems to be absolutely immortal. And, and if you look at older ones, the 63 national at the moment is still drinking like a, a young vintage port. The 63 Quinton Naval Vintage Port is is getting pretty um, good up time, you might say. Wow. Uh, so, so, that, so, so there, there, are, there are those differences if you can find out. <laughs> In those 27 years, have you pondered why Philoxera sort of spared that parcel of vines and didn't decimate it like everything else? I've pondered a lot, but <laughs> we have absolutely no answer. We do a few things differently. We, we work that parcel organically with horses, but it's not the only part of it, Naval that we work organically with horses. There are a few other traditional, uh, you know, sort of 18th century parcels that we work organically with horses, yeah. and they don't give the same results. No, the, 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 the real answer is we don't know what it is that protects it. And, and it's probable that it's intensely vulnerable, and uh, at any time, it, it could just all die from philosophy. I just hope it doesn't happen. <laughs> you recently um, declared the release of the Novell 18 vintage. I mean, the 17 was incredibly beautiful, even in its infancy. I know there's there's variation between the vintages. Do you see the, these sort of succession of releases? Is that normal? I mean, in terms of the quality, this consistency, even with variation? Well, it, it isn't historically normal in, in the context of how vintage port has mm. been uh, managed over the last, say, 150 years. But Naval's always been free to be a little bit eccentric. Uh, after all, it was the Declaration of the 31 that, that was one of the things that, yeah. that sort of, uh, you know, really reinforced Naval's reputation around the world. And Naval has also got the, uh, the extraordinary advantage of, of, of being obviously a very major player in the world of vintage port in terms of reputation and quality, but actually being rather small. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so we can do things that, that, that don't, you know, if we were producing 10,000 cases of vintage pork when we declare something, it would be a big deal if, if, if we, we made several declarations. But in fact, the, the eccentric declar- most of the eccentric declarations that I've done in, in recent years, and I call eccentric declarations declarations where I've declared Quinton Naval in years when they're not generally declared vintages. Mm-hmm. Mostly, I, 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 I've declared around a thousand cases, um, and, uh, which is absolutely tiny in terms of that, that, that's sort of about uh, 4% of, of, of Naval's production. Sure. And uh, the reason why I've declared them is because, you know, we've got one of the great vineyard terroir of the world. Uh, it's 145 hectares of, um, you know, with, with many different microclimates and uh, in, in, in three different valleys. And the chances are that you're going to get a very small amount of very, very good wine most years. And, <laughs> and, and, and that's what's happened and, and, and since 2011. It's slightly embarrassing, but I've declared Quinton Noel Vintage Pork every year since 2011. And, and uh, I would actually be quite relieved if, if one year came along where I didn't find a wine in the tasting room, but I thought, that's got to be done. Uh, but uh, every year so far, uh, there's, uh, you know, there's, there's been at least a small amount of absolutely outstanding wine that I wanted to see in bottle as a Quinton Noval vintage port. And, and, uh, and that's the reason why we've done it. Uh, and, and it's very much a Naval position, uh, a, a unique to Naval. Uh, and, and because the, the volumes are so tiny, uh, I don't think they're rocking anybody's boat or, or you know, the wines have always sold, uh, sold out straight away. And uh, everyone seems to be quite interested to taste Naval vintage port 2013 or... or 2014 and why not um, I continue to follow this but when I taste the wines after the vintage if there's even a tiny amount of wine that I think is worthy to be called a Quinton Noir vintage port I will declare it and if if, the, if if they were not I would not and and surely one year sooner or later it's going to come along where we decide not to declare a Naval vintage port but for the moment we've, we've had quite a run and it's quite a uh, I, I, next time we come to the door it's quite fun to do a little vertical of the the, the wines we've done since 2011 and, and uh, yeah. it shows very clearly that there's, there's no problem they, they all fit you know, in, in, the, in the series Have you got any any thoughts on the contemporary drinking scene seems to be you know, drinking wines younger and yet the wines yes. are extremely drinkable younger so, I mean, have you? Is that something you've you've clocked and 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 you've seen any rhyme or reason to it, or, or you know, do you have any thoughts on it? Yeah, I, I, I definitely clocked it, and, and I noticed it. Uh, I noticed it twenty seven years ago when I started <laughs> off at Naval. When I started at Naval, we weren't selling any port at all in America, and I started going to America, and, and part of the um, renaissance in Naval's fortunes came from the fact that we started selling lots of Naval in America. And Naval is now quite a, a strong brand in America. And uh, I remember going on visits to um, you know, restaurants in San Francisco and seeing a sommelier who was offering seven young vintage ports by the glass. Uh, and, and people were drinking. And I thought, well, this is absolutely fantastic. And uh, of course, I'd, I'd grown up as an old-fashioned Englishman. <laughs> and thinking, oh, you, you know, you don't wait for this stuff for 20 years and, 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 and all that. And then in, in, in this rather thrilling context of, of being in uh, wonderful restaurants in California and being served chilled 
young vintage port in great restaurant settings and, and, and having sommeliers talking about wine. I thought, they're absolutely right. These wines are really exciting and fun to drink. When I started, I, I, I was a, an old-fashioned port drinker. I would drink old material vintage port. I, so, I still do. But, but uh, I, I've got a, a glass of... Uh, Broad uh, in mind. Naval. <laughs> I've got it now. I've got a glass of Kinton Naval 2013 uh, beside me as I as we talk, in the, as I'm sitting in the sun in my garden, and and uh, well, it's it's three o'clock, you know, it's, it's time, and 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 I think it's great that people have realised that vintage port, of course, the, the wines will still age for decades, and uh, and I've, I've attended many tastings of uh, uh, very old vintage ports, and the wines are thrilling as they age, but. Uh, they're also wonderful to drink when they're young these days. And, and, and they, they didn't used to be so easy to drink young. And, yeah. and I think that, that that's true not only of port, it's true in Bordeaux as well with Grand Cru Classe yeah. and, and I think that a, a large part of that is to do with uh, the precision of the work that we do in the vineyards these days, the selection of fruit, uh, where you know we have sorting tables at yeah. Naval. Yeah. We, we didn't used to have that kind of thing in the door. And... and uh, we have sorting tables, uh, we sort the grapes in the vineyard, we sort them as they come in, and uh, you, you, uh, you, you get uh, a, mu- a much greater purity of fruit when you've eliminated everything that, any little grapes that might be green, any grapes that might be wrong, and, and it makes the, uh, the wines uh, much easier to uh, enjoy when they're younger. But I do not think that for a minute that that means that they won't age for many decades like great vintage ports in the past. On the contrary, I think because they're purer uh, and made with better fruit these days, they're going to they're going to last longer. Uh, so, so I don't think there's a trade-off. Uh, it, wine is more fun to drink when it's young, therefore it won't age. On the contrary, I think it's, it's marvellous that it's nice to drink now, but it will just go on getting better. Okay, well, just just to end on, on port, I wanted to ask about um, a sort of perception of of port in the marketplace, you know, do you do you think it's underrated, or do you think it's about right the perception, or, or do you think it's communicated well by people like myself, I suppose, or the brands, or whatever? I I, I think it's um, I think it's probably underrated. I I, I think that uh, you know I work in Bordeaux, I work in Burgundy, and I work in uh, the Dinner Valley, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, when I go down to my cellar and I bring up a bottle of Burgundy or Great uh, Bordeaux or a bottle of Port, to me, they, 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 uh, those are three wines of similar intrinsic quality. You're, if you're talking about a, a wonderful Burgundy, a wonderful Bordeaux, a wonderful vintage Port, you're talking about similar intrinsic quality and, and greatness. If you, if you, in the short list of the very top producers of Port, uh, I, I, I think that you're talking about intrinsic quality that is equivalent to the kind of quality you get in Premier Cru Bordeaux or Super Second Bordeaux. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and 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 if, if I, you know, drinking a bottle of pizza and I'm drink, then drinking a, I don't know, well, let's say bottle. And drinking, <laughs> <laughs> but if, I, if I'm opening it's a bottle cool. of pizza and, and opening a bottle of Kinsman Vintage Port, I'm talking about equivalent levels of intrinsic greatness, of course, and and yet the pricing does not reflect that. And uh, you know the, the Bordeaux is more expensive, and the, and the vintage ports are are much more affordable, which is great for consumers. And yeah. and, and I am also a consumer. I don't restrict my own vintage port. 
I buy, I buy the other guys' stuff because I, I love what I, 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 I'm quite a lot, actually. I'm still very optimistic about my life expectancy. So I'm, I'm still buying. I bought, I bought quite a few in 2017. And, and uh, they're just amazing bargains. So, so I think the answer to your question is that I think that with a, with a the very top vintage port, you are getting wines that are among the very greatest wines in the world, sure. still at an underrated price, no question. And that's just a question of fashion, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Well, a few questions on the on the dry wine. When I um, visited Naval in September, I think um, Carlos was there, and he said um, the recent vintages of the dry wines were getting better, not because of the vintage, but because they were getting better at making them. Yes. And um, I was wondering what part of the winemaking is being adjusted, or or whatever changes are being made, in, or learning to improve the results? Well, there's, there's, there's an awful lot of uh, answers to that question. And, and I, obviously, I'm only talking for us at Quinta Naval and, and, and for us at Quinta de Monero, which, as you know, is my personal yeah. investment in the door. But we, in both cases, at Romanera and Naval, we've only been making unfortified wine since 2004. That was the first vintage that we launched of either Romanera or Naval. And in, in, in winemaking history terms, that is uh, really extraordinarily recent. And at the moment, we're, we're on the market. We're putting the 16s and 17s. So those are the ones we got on the market. So, so you're, you're, you're talking you know, 12 or 13 years of experience in terms of wines that we've been starting to make and putting on the market in our, in our case. And, it, and it, it's obvious that you're going to learn a lot in that short time. And it's obvious that there's going to be quite a steep learning curve, it, even in a place like uh, Chateau Pichon Baron, for example, yeah. where we've been doing it for a very long time. We learn a little bit every year. And, and if, you, if you don't, you've got a problem because you, you, have, to, you have to question uh, everything you do every single year in order to try and make your wine as great as it can possibly be in every year. And if ever you think you've cracked it, you know how to make wine now and you can relax. So then, then you know, 10 years later, you'll, you'll, you'll be behind uh, there'll be other people who will have started to overtake you. Even in vineyards that have been you know, making red wine at a very high level for many decades, yeah. you, you've, you've got to be continually on your toes. And, and uh, how much more so is that true in the Douro Valley where we've only been making red wine for uh, a few years, really? And plus... Any experience we might have had elsewhere, and obviously I've had experience elsewhere in in, uh, in, in Bordeaux or in Burgundy or whatever, it's not necessarily particularly relevant, and, and uh, it, it's useful. Uh, but uh, you, you, you learn things. So, um, among the things we learned at, uh, at Naval and Romanera at the beginning was that the, the proportions of new oak that were appropriate for these wines were radically different to, to, to what might be appropriate for uh, you know, serious high-quality wines in Bordeaux. And we started off with, with quite high proportions of new oak, and now it's very low. Even our, our Grand Reserva, our Reserva wine at Naval or Reserva Romanera, we're about 25% new oak now. And we were, you know, 80-plus percent at the beginning. Those are little things one learned. I was just going to say, would you, would you call that, it's almost like um, using less oak and things like this, exercising restraint to bring out some... Uh, aspect of the of the wine characteristics. Yes, 
absolutely. And what we learned from the joy was that a little bit of oak goes a long way, basically. And then uh, we've learned a lot about the individual grape varieties. And that, again, in other wine-producing regions of the world, that people have had sometimes centuries to work out what is the best mixture of the local grape varieties to use, what is the, the best uh, time to harvest them. And, and we've been discovering those things in very accelerated mode over a period of only, only uh, uh, in our case, uh, 16 years. And when we first started making red wine, we were, we were majoring on Tintoro Rouge. Mm-hmm. And the reason we, we majored on that was because we knew that Tempanillo, which is more or less the same thing, uh, uh, a little bit up the river, was giving absolutely wonderful results. So we thought, let's, let's uh, vinify uh, Tintoroi. And Tintoroi, you can get very nice wines, but, but uh, it was never thrilling, actually. And then we started making wines with Toriga Nacional, and they were like, oh, God, that's very interesting. That's wonderful. And then Toriga Francesa. And and actually, in in recent years, we've started uh, more and more, uh, at both Naval and Romanera, we've been vinifying more and more Tintocan, which is a a fascinating grape variety. It's a late maturing variety that Mm -hmm. keeps quite a lot of freshness, no matter how hot the summer is. Uh, Extraordinary personality. And uh, we're, we're, we're learning all the time. Every year you learn. And uh, I think that the, the most important thing, if, if you're doing uh, something like this, is, is to uh, keep an open mind always and always question what you do. Curiously, in the Douro, when we're making port, we're, we're part of an ancient tradition. Yeah. When we're making red wine, we're, we're sort of pioneers. <laughs> and and uh, it's, it's rather fun to be doing both. I was going to talk about the international varieties you've been trialing in the Douro. Have they, yeah. have they been successful overall? Yes, absolutely. Well, they, uh, and that, for me, that's part of the process. Occasionally, I get a bit stick from people saying, uh, oh, you've got so many, so many exciting, thrilling varietals in the Douro. Why are you trying international varietals? Uh, and, uh, and my part of the that is, yeah, do you think there's anybody who loves the Douro more than I do uh, uh, and, and who's more devoted to the local varietals? About 90% of all the wines that I make at Naval and Romanera are made with Portuguese varietals. Uh, but uh, my, 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 my aim uh, and the aim of all the people who work with me at Naval and Romanera is to try to make the greatest red wine, and indeed white wines, by the way, uh, that, that we can, unfortified wines in the Dora Valley. Why wouldn't you make a few experiments just to see what uh, other varietals might do? Because the, the varietals that we have were, were uh, specifically used to make port. Uh, it's just conceivable that other varietals might work. So to give you an example, I started my experimenting at Romanera, and we planted four experimental varietals. One was Morvedre, uh, the other was Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, the other was uh, Tira. And the fourth one was Petit Verbeau. And the logic was, uh, the more red, uh, I, I love Bondol. And you know, as you know, it's growing on terraces, looking over the sea and the south of France. And I thought, like, we got terraces, we're overlooking water, the, the door, uh, maybe this will work. You know, it wasn't much more scientific than that. We planted more red, and it was very disappointing. It just didn't work. It didn't gel. And, uh, and so after a few years, we, uh, I grafted it over. We abandoned the more red. Cabernet Sauvignon was a complete disaster. And, and, and Cabernet Sauvignon, and I tried that in Romanera and Naval, it just behaved like a varietal wine. It's exactly what I didn't want. What I was looking for was a wine that would settle down in the Doro uh, scenario and, and become a Doro wine. And Cabernet Sauvignon, when, you, when we tasted the wine blind after the harvest, 
the Cabernet Sauvignon just jumped out and said, look at me, I'm Cabernet. And, and, and I thought, well, I don't want any of that. And, and so we, we, uh, we ended up drafting over the Cabernet. We don't have any Cabernet left either. Syrah, uh, on the other hand, has adapted really well to the Douro. And, and uh, it tastes like a Douro wine. And, and uh, I, I use Syrah um, both for blending in with Portuguese varietals, mm-hmm. and it, it just fits and works very well. And I make a very small amount of pure Syrah, which, which can be quite uh, stunning and, 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 and really good fun. And, and then the fourth one, which is, which is I think, really uh, exciting, is, uh, is Petit Verdot. And Petit Verdot, of course, I know from Pichon, where we have a, a small amount of Petit Verdot. And the big thing that, about Petit Verdot in the Medoc is people say, well, it, it never quite gets right in most years. And then in the big right, in the big right years, when it gets right, you don't need it because the Cabernet is so magnificent, which is why most people have only got two or three or five percent of Petit Verdot. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I thought, well, if it, if, it, if it needs to get right, let's try something to do it. And the first few years of, uh, and that was again the Roman era that started. And the first few years, the Petit Verdot uh, was actually a bit disappointing. And 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 then we, we suddenly thought, ah, oh, in Bordeaux it gets lots of rain as well, and the Douro not. So we started irrigating just the, the the one hectare of Petit Verdot we had. And the minute we started irrigating it, when when the Petit Verdot had sun and rainfall, it produced the most fantastic wine. And and uh, and. Uh, I, it, so we still only have a very tiny amount of Petit Verde at, at uh, Romanera, and Naval now has uh, some Petit Verde as well. But uh, it's very exciting wine, and, and uh, for me, it is utterly Doro wine, using a varietal that, that seems to mm-hmm. feel extremely at home in the place. So uh, I, um, I'm not apologizing for it, because I, <laughs> I, 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 drink, I, drink, I drink it, and, uh, and it's very good. Okay. Well, in terms of drinking and the flavour profiles of the wines, and this is both in the reds and the whites, is there a sort of a, a Duro style that you could define? A bit like you have a sort of left bank, right bank style of Bordeaux or something like that. Some, something that you think is emerging from different winemakers even across the Duro. Well, I, I think it's easier to talk about white wines in that respect. Um, I, I think that there are some... Um, the, 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 the local varieties of uh, white grapes are really, really interesting. And uh, they, they have been selected over a number of years as being varietals that, that can um, produce fresh freshness even in the hot conditions of the door. Mm-hmm. And I, I have uh, uh, about five hectares at Naval and five hectares at Romanero now of white grapes. And uh, uh, I, th- I think that you, you, uh, you um, just, just your variety. Uh, and uh, I think that you, that you can make uh, white wines that have um, wonderful freshness, but which can express minerality. Uh, because, of course, they're, they're going on shift. And, and, and uh, it's, it's rather counterintuitive because you'd think you're in a hot place uh, you're going to make big fat white wines, mm-hmm. um, but but not so. Uh, they, they, you, you can actually have wonderfully fresh mineral white wines from uh, the door. At least that's what we're we're yeah. discovering at Navarre and Romanero. and that that I think is is really very exciting. And and also they because the varietals are, are so unlike any varietals anywhere else, they they have a unique personalities and profiles. So you know if you're getting a little bit bored of uh, 
Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, <laughs> you can you can have great fun. You can have great fun with Doro white wines. I drink lots of Doro white wines here at home in uh, in Bordeaux, and, and uh, they have the humility to present themselves at a fraction of the price of white wines from, from anywhere else. So they're they they they're great. And okay. so I think that the fresh, the natural freshness, I never ever had to acidify a white wine in the Doro. Uh, they, they, they have this natural acidity, even in very hot years, and they express minerality. And, and that, I think, is actually rather thrilling. And, and uh, I'm, I'm planting more hectares of white pines in the door, uh, even now, even this year, as a matter of fact. And, uh, and then for the red wines, I, for the red wines, I think it's a bit too soon to talk about your typical Dora style, because uh, there's so much activity being going on. And, and I think we're in a dynamic experimental phase uh, and so we should be uh, because uh, Lidora is a great wine region with many great winemakers with many great uh, houses and, and everybody's trying to and, and lots of different great clubs everyone's trying to work out uh, the, the, work their way through and we've made numbers of styles of wines uh, at Navarra and Romanera over the last 15 years and, and, and of course if you multiply that up by all the other producers there are many styles so I think it, it, it's actually less easy to define the the the, uh, the Doro red style, um, and, you need and more I think time. probably at this stage it needs more time. And I think at that this stage it's rather a good thing it, it, because it, it means if if we tried to say that's what a Doro red should be like, you might be closing a lot of doors on possible experimentation and possible uh, development. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm rather in favour of all the individual efforts mm-hmm. to. to uh, to, to find what what precisely will be the, the greatest expression of the Dora in a still red wine, and and, and a, a lot of marvelous progress has been made so far. But I think there's there's, uh, there's a lot of progress to come. So you say enjoy the evolution. Exactly so. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. This is a, the last question. But is it someone with interest in the Dora and, and interest in Bordeaux, and this is kind of the opposite of what you've been doing in in the Dora. What do you make of the experiments? trialing Tariga Nacional in Bordeaux? Well, um, I, I'm not planting any. No, I'm not, I'm not planting any Tariga Nacional at Pichon Bell. I, have a, I, I absolutely adore this great varietal, but uh, I, I love it where it's... Uh, I love it in the door, and uh, I'm not planting any. I, 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 you know, in general, I'm in favour of a degree of experimentation, I think, mm-hmm. where, uh, wherever you are. Yeah. I think it's very important to... to Keep an open mind and keep trying things out, uh, just in case. However well established you've been, there is a way of making something a bit better. So I would always welcome any uh, uh, opening of people's minds to the possibility of experimentation. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good idea in, in any particular case. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Have I answered? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think that's the point made. Well, no, thank you very much for taking the time. I've got some great answers. I gave a thousand ducats Or to me a hundred more Sit upon the merchant ship my cost of wine from port to port Here 
mother's voice of splintered whispers that talked me to a deer calling nightly vespers my fated pauper seal our ship was docked at Porto wine tempered beyond the law en route from however to Britain leaving bitterness once did heaven hold Papers checked again in Biscay, a second Spanish port. Wine tasted for authenticity, twas pounded, my credit now is known. Cursed did fortune scorn me. Charged with villainy, no bail No bribes are paid with poverty My plea was bound to fail And so did justice try my case with paper trails and port His ruddy nose disliked my face A life in jail is what I bore I languish chained in ruin My bride upon the church is gay love and gold now so distant journeys end has come life must dissipate now my money's gone my love is my wine is gone So I must be gone The music is by a good friend of mine, Daryl Cutmore, and produced by Nick Parminter with lyrics by me. We recorded it as part of a larger project back in 2013.